Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Single Payer Radio. Single Payer Radio is a project of Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare. We're an affiliate of the Kentucky chapter of Physicians for a National Health Program, and we're proud to be a community partner with Forward Radio WFMP 106.5, forwardradio.org. Today's episode is a replay of a show from our first season here at Single Payer Radio. It's a recording of the Save Our Healthcare Rally on a chilly morning, January 28, 2017. It took place down at the Portland Community Health Clinic in Louisville's Portland neighborhood. And Louisville Community Health Center Executive Director Bill Wagner leads off. We turn out on this uh, beautiful chilly morning. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to try to get everyone uh, come over here in front of the uh, podium or behind me. I'll uh, ask the, uh, those that are going to speak to join me here behind the podium. Again, thank you so much uh, for being here. Uh, we're on a tight schedule. Uh, the bus does uh, have to keep rolling, so we want to allow maximum time for our speakers here this morning. I want to welcome you. My name is uh, Bill Wagner, and I am the uh, Executive Director of the Family Health Centers. I uh, want to welcome you to the historic Portland neighborhood and our beautiful campus here. We're honored and excited to host the uh, Save My Care bus tour and rally here this morning. Uh, I think you'll agree that the news that's coming out of Washington has been alarming in recent days and the actions that have been taken by Congress and the President's executive order to repeal the Affordable Care Act have created a climate of uh, fear and uncertainty across the land and here in our community. And uh, we can't stand idly by. At, at the family health centers, our mantra has become, don't agonize, organize. So when we heard that the bus tour was coming to Kentucky, we jumped at the opportunity to join forces with uh, our colleagues around the country uh, to help give a voice to the individuals, families, and healthcare providers uh, who have benefited from the reforms, the protections, and the coverage expansion under the Affordable Care Act. To help give a voice to those who stand to lose so much if the Affordable Care Act is repealed and not replaced at the same time with something just as good or better. Kentucky uh, has benefited more than most any other state from the Affordable Care Act. More than 100,000 people here in Jefferson County uh, have gained coverage and tens of thousands more have benefited from the protections under the law. Uh, more than 12,000 of our patients at the Family Health Centers now have insurance that were uninsured before. And today and in the weeks ahead, we need to send our message loud and clear to our congressional leaders in Washington to protect the gains we've made under the Affordable Care Act. But there's one congressional leader that we don't need to send a message to because he already gets it. He stands shoulder to shoulder with us on this issue. And he's here, as you can see, again today. We're so fortunate to have as our representative in Washington, Congressman John Yarmuth. So again, please welcome 
uh, John to the Save My Care Mike. Uh, I think this is the one you want to okay. okay. Well, thank you, Bill. Thanks to all of you for being out here. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of really interesting debates in Congress. First one was when we were debating the budget resolution which the Republicans are using to do the repeal portion of the Affordable Care Act. And what we did during that debate, which I was proud to lead, was every time a speaker for the Republicans got up in the House, we had the data to say, I would like to remind my colleague that the vote you will cast today will take away insurance from 500,000 people in your state will kill so many thousand jobs and will cost your state so many billion dollars in economic activity. And it was really a forceful presentation because what we demonstrated was that there is a real cost to every citizen if you repeal the Affordable Care Act and don't replace it with something that is the same or better. And believe me, We've seen day after day after day, when Republicans talk about replacing, they have no clue what they're doing. And just the other day at the Republican retreat in Philadelphia, there was a secretly recorded discussion in which they basically said, we have no clue what we're doing. <laughs> we have no consensus on where we're going, and we better be very careful because we're boxing ourselves in to a very serious situation. We already know that. We already know that because we had the most successful implementation of the Affordable Care Act of any state in the United States. Not only have I been able to talk with Bill about how much the, the Affordable Care Act has helped the community health centers in this community, how many additional people they've been able to serve, how many more medical personnel they've been able to hire, uh, how they've improved the health of so many of the people who visit here. Uh, but we know from the public forum we had two weeks ago when 500 people showed up to talk about their experiences with the Affordable Care Act, to talk about real-life examples of what's at stake if there's a repeal of the Affordable Care Act. I think some of you were probably there and heard Steve Riggert, a man who has just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, talking about the fears that he has that he won't be able to take care of his daughter, who up until now has been able to stay on her parents' policies and will till she's 26. She had pancreatitis, has been in the hospital 20-something times, and he's obviously with a very, very um, negative uh, prognosis, is still worried about and can't, just can't sleep because of the threat to his daughter's future if the Affordable Care Act is, re is repealed. That's not one of the newly insured people that we talk about all the time. That's your neighbor. These are the people who've already had insurance. And that's why we say this isn't about the 30 million people who will lose coverage over the next few years if they repeal the act. This is about virtually every American losing protections that they gained under the Affordable Care Act. Just for, I don't want to go too much in the weeds, and I know we're in a tight schedule, but we just had a hearing in the Budget Committee this week on the Affordable Care Act. The majority, Republicans, got three witnesses. We had one. The three witnesses spent virtually all of their time, the, the majority witnesses, all of their time talking about problems with the Affordable Care Act. They had no, no proposals 
to make it better or to replace it. None. And the reason is, as I've said many times, there are only two options to the Affordable Care Act. One's to go back to the era before the ACA when insurance companies decided who lived and died, and the other's to go to single payer. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, every time you have a discussion about problems with the Affordable Care Act, and believe me, there are some problems with the Affordable Care Act, you say, you know, that wouldn't be true if we had single payer or Medicare for everybody. So in a way, and I'm going to give you a hopeful sign and then leave, in a way, this debate's very useful because I think it's illustrating the prospect of going to, of how, how good the prospect of going to a single payer would be and that it is the only option to what we're doing now. And the inability of the, of the Republicans and the Republican machine, I mean, you, you're looking at Heritage Foundation and Cato Institute and the Koch brothers, and you name all of those great institutions that they rely on, they haven't come up with an alternative to the Affordable Care Act. You'd think in six or seven years of trying, they would find something. But the reason they, they can't is because single payer is the only option. Now the, hope, now, now the hopeful ending. I don't think they're going to be able to repeal the Affordable Care Act. There are already about a half dozen Republican senators who say that they won't vote for a repeal without a replacement at the same time. And believe me, they are not going to find a replacement. They've admitted that. So I'm really skeptical of their ability to do what they, what they say they're going to do. But that doesn't mean we can lie back and say that and be complacent because they're going to keep trying and Donald Trump's going to keep trying. So we need to keep our voices strong and loud. We need to make sure that we shut down, whether it's Matt Bevin's phones, his, his, Twitter, his Twitter account, but the same with Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul and, and those other Kentucky representatives and the ones across the river in, in southern Indiana. These are all people who need to hear from us because they're all served by the same health care system. They all represent our neighbors in Kentucky, and we need to make sure that all of us stick together to stand up for our neighbors, whether they're in Louisville or not. So anyway, thank you for all your energy. Thank you for your, for your commitment to do this. This is a fight that not only is worth fighting, it's a fight that must be fought and must be won. Thank you all. God bless you. Congressman, thank you so much for all of your work. Um, we have a number of other elected representatives here this morning, some of whom will come to the mic that we want to uh, just acknowledge them uh, this morning. Uh, Representative Jim Wayne is here. Jim, thank you. Uh, Mackenzie Cantrell. Uh, Representative Darren Wallen. Thank you. And Representative Joni Jenkins. What we will do now is uh, I am uh, going to invite a number of speakers, uh, both consumers and uh, providers, mostly doctors, here to the uh, podium to tell you their story. Uh, there will be just uh, about three minutes per speaker. Uh, then we'll invite uh, Emily Beauregard, who is with the Kentucky Voices for Health, to, uh, to talk to us uh, for a moment. And then we'll have an open mic if anyone, anyone else would like to come up and share their story. So. Uh, we will begin this morning with Tia Tabor. I, I haven't seen Tia. I'm not sure if she's here. She was signed. Emily, do we know if uh, Tia is here? 
If, if not, we're going to ask Dr. Eli Pendleton uh, to come to the podium and to join us. Thank you. Good morning. So, my name is Dr. Eli Pendleton. I am a family physician here in Louisville, Kentucky. I honestly have lost track of all the individual patients that I've seen affected by the ACA, by the ability to get insurance, by the ability to get care for themselves. I've had people come to me who have finally been able to have insurance and they want to quit smoking. So we help them quit smoking. I've had people who have had wildly uncontrolled diabetes come. They finally have insurance. They can finally afford their medications. We finally help them control their diabetes. My wife Amber is here this morning. She's a pediatrician. She's had children who have had all sorts of chronic illnesses. They have parents who don't have insurance. They're, the parents' illnesses affect the kids' illnesses. We get. She calls me up. We get the mom into my clinic. All of a sudden, we take care of her. The kids benefit as well. So the examples are, are numerous, and and you know we can always remember individual. I, I have one guy who came. He got insurance. All of a sudden, he was able to get into physical therapy for his low back pain. He wanted to go back to work. He was able to go back to work. I have, I've had all sorts of people come in and be able to finally get the care that they really want. Frighteningly, currently, I have a whole bunch of people, or, or just months ago, had a whole bunch of people coming in trying to get as much care as they could possibly get quick before the end of the year because they weren't sure what was going to happen next. And that amount of uncertainty is really frightening. People have, have been able to climb climb out of their own health problems and really feel like they're taking control of their life and their health again, and now they're fearful that they're going to end up back where they were before, and you know we're going to have to break out our sliding fee scale, dust it off, and then start figuring out how that's going to work again. You know, within the primary care field, I think that I can certainly echo Congressman Yarmouth. I don't think that the ACA was ever intended to be the final step in this. It was simply a start, and it made some really great changes that opened up access to people, and yeah, there are some problems with it. Healthcare reform's challenging. If it was easy, we would have figured it out by now. But, you know, it, it was a first step, and it really opened up the door to a lot of people to allow them access. So, certainly, we, we could make some changes to it, and we could figure out a way to, to, to move it forward. But I really find it incredibly irresponsible to consider repealing it without any idea of what we're going to do in its place. Here in Kentucky, we extended health care through, through the expansion to, what, 400,000 people? And now, all of a sudden, all of those people are, are looking at going back to where they were before. And I, I just think that's incredibly scary. Um, we take care of 70% Medicaid within my clinic. And so that, those are our patients. We see them day in and day out. And we see the fear in their eyes. We see the, the gratefulness that they have for being able to have insurance and being able to take care of themselves. And, and I just think that it would be an absolutely tragic thing in this state where we have so many health disparities and we have so many um, poor health indicators to, to pull it back and somehow take this massive step back. So thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you, thank you Dr. Pendleton. Uh, Amy, sure. Uh, consumer. Yes, consumer. Hello, my name is Amy Shear, and I'm a Louisville-based consultant that goes across the country delivering solutions to fight poverty. I am a mother of two teenagers in public schools 
and I'm self-employed, as is my husband. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 22 years old. I take medicines that would cost thousands of dollars each month if I didn't have health insurance. This disease is also considered a pre-existing condition, which may prevent me from accessing health care in the future unless we all speak up for each other. When the long overdue Affordable Care Act was passed, my family's health insurance premiums dropped more than a third and included robust benefits. Now, my family is paying much more and getting far fewer benefits. This places a tremendous burden on us and other small business people. Our state and federal government officials talk about helping the little guy, the small business person, and entrepreneur, yet in reality, they're creating an environment where only employees of conglomerates will have access to affordable health care, especially the large numbers of people like me with financially ruinous pre-existing conditions like Crohn's disease or diabetes, cancer, or heart disease. And in 2015, there were 57 million small business employees, comprising 48% of all U.S. employees. We pay billions of taxes each and every year and deserve affordable health care. We must unite and send a strong message to Governor Bevin, Senators McConnell and Paul, and to our Congress people, that affordable health care makes America great and productive. Insist that the Affordable Care Act not be weakened or destroyed. Heck, if we really put Americans first, we'd have single-payer health care, like other wealthy nations. We're the ninth wealthiest nation in the world. And, and we have to struggle to have affordable health care? It's crazy. Keep America great with universal, accessible, affordable health care. Join Kentuckians for the Commonwealth on February 7th in Frankfurt for Stand for Kentucky and get connected with Kentucky Voices for Health. Share your stories and save our health care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Representative Johnny Jenkins. Everybody out there nice and cold this morning. Thank you for coming out. Senator McConnell, Senator Paul, Governor Bevin, look at all of these people left out in the cold. They represent all of Kentuckians that are soon to be left out in the cold. We've got to stand up and use our voices. It's not over yet. I want to talk a little bit about what the ACA and Expanded Medicaid have done for Kentuckians, especially those that suffer from substance use disorder and mental illness. For the first time, we have parity in private and public insurers. 
the numbers of folks in Kentucky that suffer from addiction is staggering. I tell folks, if you don't have a personal connect connection with someone who's suffering from addiction or mental illness, mental illness, you should go home and get down on your knees and thank your maker because almost everyone I talk to has some connection. We are seeing numbers of overdoses that are staggering. The number of folks that suffer from these diseases, it's just overwhelming. But for the first time, we are building an infrastructure in Kentucky to provide treatment. The numbers of folks going into treatment paid for Medicaid has increased 700% over the last few years. Those are people who are getting the help that they need to overcome their disease. If they roll back the ACA, it's not only folks on expanded Medicaid that are going to suffer. It's all of us, whether we have private or public insurance. We are not going back to pre-2016. We're going back to prehistoric times. It's time to stand up. Senator McConnell, Senator Paul, Governor Bevan, look at all these folks left out in the code. And if that doesn't move you, shame on you. Thank you very much. Next speaker is Dr. Allison Carden, who's a uh, urologist from Elizabethtown. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here, and thank you to all of you here today uh, to stand with us. Um, I'm Dr. Allison Carden. I'm a urologist in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and I'm here on behalf of thousands of doctors and medical students across the country um, who are concerned and who are standing up for the care for our patients. We're here today to recognize and to honor and to talk about the Save My Care bus tour, which is traveling across the country, um, telling stories of patients um, and of people who are going to be affected if the Affordable Care Act is repealed and isn't replaced with something at least as good. You've heard the figure of 30 million Americans will lose their health insurance if the Affordable Care Act is repealed, and 486,000 Kentuckians will lose their health care if the Affordable Care Act is repealed. The important thing to realize, though, is that's a huge number, but those, every single one of those is an individual story, is an individual person. Um, I have a patient who has been a farmer all of his life. Um, he's self-employed, and, and insurance is often you know, really expensive for those people. He didn't have coverage for most of his adult life. Um, he finally got coverage through the Affordable Care Act, and um, through his screenings um, and preventative care that was covered, it was actually discovered that he had kidney cancer. Um, so he came to me. I took his kidney out, and ultimately he was he was cured of his kidney cancer, which is fabulous. Um, and, and that's due in great part to uh, the care that he had under the Affordable Care Act. Um, but his story doesn't stop there, because if the Affordable Care Act is repealed, he essentially will be uninsurable. It will be impossible for him to gain coverage, again, because he has a pre-existing condition like cancer. So we're taking this gentleman who for most of his life didn't have health insurance. We finally got him health insurance, and now we're going to rip it away. And every single one of those 486,000 people are stories just like that. They're real people. 
and we can't forget that when we talk about talk about it. And my patient is just that's just one story. There are thousands of stories like that. Hundreds of patients I have. Um, there. The Affordable Care Act has meant that more Americans are getting treated for cancer, are getting preventative screenings, are getting their opioid addictions treated, um, their diabetes taken care of, um, and, and those are real issues. Millions of people in this country are secure now knowing that they have health insurance and that it can't be taken away. That's because we have the Affordable Care Act. And if the Affordable Care Act is repealed and it's not replaced with something at least as good, that security is gone. I want members of Congress to know across the United States that in every single state and in every single congressional district, there are people who will be hurt by the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. Every single congressional member has people who will be affected. And they need to listen and understand that. So I thank you for being here. Thank you for, um, for standing up for our health care. And know that there are thousands of doctors just like me who are standing right beside you. Thank you so much. Our next speaker is Dr. Christian Furman. Yes, hi, I'm Dr. Furman, and I'm a geriatrician, which means I take care of older people, and a palliative medicine physician, which means I help take care of people at the end of life. And I just want to give a couple examples of where the Affordable Care Act has helped my patients. Um, you know, a lot of my patients have Medicare, which is great, because that's what we need for everybody. But even with the patients with Medicare, the Affordable Care Act has helped them, because there's this donut hole where, you know, your medicines are covered, but then up to a certain point, and after that, you had to pay for it yourself. Um, and so a lot of my patients before the Affordable Care Act would come in and say, I can't afford my medicines anymore. I'm like, why not? You know, and they're in this donut hole. And so then they just stop taking their medicines or they take them every other day or they kind of make their own concoction to kind of get through. And then what happens is they end up in the hospital because they're not taking the diabetes medicines. They're not taking the heart failure medicines. And the hospitals is such a more expensive way to take care of people than an outpatient setting. And so, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. So since we've had the Affordable Care Act, patients are getting their medicines paid for and there's no donut hole. And eventually, um, if the Affordable Care, over time, the Affordable Care Act will get rid of the donut hole. So that's one example. Another example is my patients are now being able to get preventive screening. Um, that's, a, that's covered by the Affordable Care Act, which even with Medicare patients, sometimes it wasn't all the screenings were not um, paid for for these Medicare patients. So just like your example, I mean, if you screen people, you can catch things early before you have to end up in the emergency room where care is so, so expensive. So Medicare has worked from our patients. You know, we all of our patients are insured, and that's how every person in, in the whole country should be is insured. So I appreciate you all being here, and I think we should have Medicare for all. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is uh, Representative Mackenzie Cantrell. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mackenzie Cantrell. I represent uh, Kentucky's 38th House District in the south end of Louisville. And I'm here today as a member of the General Assembly because I do not want to be a part of deciding who lives and who dies in this state, which is exactly what block grants will do if, uh, if the ACA is repealed and replaced and we're forced uh, 
with block grants and the General Assembly as a part of our budget has to decide where that money goes for health care, that's what we'll be doing. We'll be deciding who lives and who dies. If you all followed the, the first week of our General Assembly, uh, some of us in the General Assembly, not all of us, declared war on workers, we declared war on women, and now we are going to lower wages, we are going to limit reproductive health care for women, and now we are going to take away their health care. How, how can we do that? Our, uh, our congressman mentioned some of the jobs that will be lost and uh, the money that's going to flow out of this state. I have some numbers on that from Families USA. Kentucky stands to lose 45,000 jobs. And this is from the party who says they are here to create jobs. $50 billion in federal funding. That is the, at one time, uncompensated care that is now compensated for in, in places like family health centers where we're here today. <coughs> and uh, 100,000 people in Jefferson County alone that uh, stand to lose health coverage. And uh, for, for those of us who, who represent districts in Jefferson County, uh, 100,000 people in approximately 20 uh, state representative districts is, is 5,000 people from our uh, 43,000 member districts. So each and every one of us has a reason to be here today. Each and every one of us lives in a district that's affected by this. And in each and every one of the, us has a responsibility to our districts and to the Commonwealth of Kentucky to stand up against this. Thank you. Our next speaker, I would like to introduce uh, our state representative for the West End and the Portland District, the 43rd District, Daryl Owen. Thank you, Phil. Uh, as I've been listening to everyone, there's one thing that reminds me that they all told a story. But out here we have a lot more stories. The 43rd District has the most people affected by ACA. And if they take it away, it's going to create a real problem for us. The only thing I would ask you to do is stay engaged, uh, support activities, which oppose uh, the ACA. This is going to be a long fight. I, I sort of agree with Congressman Yarmouth that I'm not sure they're going to be able to replace. In the absence of replacement, I doubt seriously if Congress will pass it because all of the representatives have people in their districts in numbers who, who have been affected, who will be adversely affected by the repeal of ACA. I think all you have to do is look at the march on Washington by the women and tell you <coughs> that tells me that there's a movement going on in this country that's going to reap some significant benefits for a lot of average people. So I just encourage you to stay the course, stay engaged, and continue to be supportive of efforts to prevent the repeal of the ACA. Let's uh, have another round for all the speakers up to this point. Uh, it's my pleasure now to uh, introduce...
someone who's been working so hard on behalf of all of you to, to make sure that the voices are heard. Uh, and this is Emily Beauregard, who's the director of the Kentucky Voices for Health. Everybody, it's, it's great to see such an amazing crowd on a cold day like this. I know you're here because this matters deeply to you. It matters deeply to all of us um, who do this work every day. We have seen how life-changing this coverage has been for people, and we know what is at stake, not only for Kentucky, but for the people that we love, the people in our, our neighbors, our, our co-workers, the people that we work with every day. And uh, we want to make sure that we can protect this coverage for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, and make sure that, as we've heard repeated here today, that we have something that is as good or better. If the ACA is repealed, if it's changed, it needs to continue to provide coverage to everyone who has gotten coverage because of it, and we need to build on it to make it even stronger for Kentuckians and for Americans. Um, we all deserve something better than what we have now. More affordable coverage, better benefits, and stronger protections for everyone. And so it's great to have you here. Um, great to have this support. We're going to need everyone here to, to continue to show up, to speak up, to let people know how important this is to you, to the people that you love. And um, we have some ways to do that. So Kentucky Voices for Health is a coalition of consumer and health advocates. We're a statewide coalition. We work all across the state. We're very small in number uh, in terms of staff size, but we have a lot of people who care about these issues and have been involved in our work. And some of the ways that we have been trying to advocate for health coverage is by collecting people's stories and finding ways publicly to raise the voices of Kentuckians who need this coverage. So we have a story bank collector, which is like just an online survey where you can go in and share your story, and you can find that on our Facebook and Twitter, um, typically. We also have um, some postcards here that actually Family Health Centers produce that are lovely postcards. These are fantastic. They even have Senator McConnell's address already on them. <laughs> uh, Kentucky Voices for Health supplied some talking points, so if you need something um, to say, to, to write on your postcard, you can take a look at that. You can also share your own story. Um, we also have some other opportunities to get involved. If you have a story that you want to share with us, you can reach out to me um, later. If you take any of these materials, you'll see ways to get in touch with KVH because at the bottom you'll see um, our Twitter, our Facebook, and our website. But um, in, in addition to that, we today we'll have an open mic right now, actually. We're going to start that. And if you can stay cold a little bit longer, if you're already numb, that's great. I am. Um, and you want to stick around and listen to others or share your own story, we're going to try to um, aim for one to two minutes a person just so that um, people don't actually get hypothermia out here. Um, but I think that it's a really powerful thing to share your story publicly. People need to hear that it's not just um, those other folks who need this coverage. It's all of us. So we have a couple people already up here. Um, when we did a call for speakers um, just last week, 
You know, it took a little while to trickle in, and then all of a sudden we had 15 people, and that's fantastic. Um, so we want to give everybody an opportunity to speak. If Tia Tabor has arrived, if you want to, oh, great. If you want to come up here and start us off, Tia, why don't you do that? Um, and then we're going to have a few people up here speak who haven't yet, and then we'll go to anybody in the crowd. Um, I think that Melissa was doing a sign-up sheet, so. And we're just going to have folks oh, up by Okay, if you want to line up, then just line up if you want to say something. So, Tia, come on. Let's get started, and uh, thank you all again for being here, and thanks to all the media who showed up. I know it's really cold, but we appreciate you taking the time to help us share our stories. Thank you so much. Well, I'd just like to share my own personal story. Um, my name's Tia Tabor. I'm 49 years old. I worked in the health field for 27 years, and um, I take care of two elderly parents. Both of them have Alzheimer's. Um, I'm not able to work at this time because I care for them full-time. Uh, I started becoming sick um, in 2013 before the Affordable Care Act, and I couldn't afford uh, my medical care or my uh, medications. I didn't even realize that I was as sick as I was. When I did finally get my insurance in 2014, um, I had diabetes, I had high blood pressure, and I was totally unaware of all these things. I was very sick. I could barely function, barely care for my parents. Um, thank God I had the insurance because I could possibly be dead. I already had kidney damage at that time, and um, it, it not only affects me, it affects my parents as well, my entire family, because no one would be able to care for them. I'm an only child, and um, they could possibly be dead as well if I wasn't there to see to them. Um, I also have other health issues that they discovered, and I'm now being treated for those because of the Affordable Care Act. And I think it's completely insulting that another human being could dictate to another human being whether they should live or die. My life depends on this, and I don't think I deserve to die. <laughs> because I have to take care of my parents, and I can't work. So I just want to thank you all for being here today, and, and everyone here for supporting this cause. Our life depends on this. gentlemen. Uh, my name is Kylan Crawford, uh, alias KC. I'm representing uh, Park Duval, and I'm representing here. I'm, I'm speaking of millions of people here in Kentucky that they don't got a story like I do. I'm 58 years old. I've uh, just developed that I'm going blind I really don't I'm, I'm blaming me for not looking at it sooner but I feel like you know Park Duval has helped me with every issue of it even the mental part of it I've talked to the uh, 
the, the, the counselors and they've helped me so much with everything that it would be foolish. It would be totally foolish for them to cut off this Obamacare and the health care because there's millions of people like me out here that never had health care. I'm old school. My parents were old school. It was back then, if if one of us got cut, my mother would take a, a needle and stitch you up, put a little castor oil on it, and you're okay. But now we got health care. We got health care. I'm losing my teeth. I'm losing my sight. My back is bad. Why are they condemning us? Why are, why are they taking everything that we have? Any kind of way that, that they're, they're pushing. Well, I'm not going to make this a democratic. Uh, 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 I'm not going to make it a meeting. But I'm just going to say it like this. Donald Trump, please hear our cry. Please hear our cry. We are poor people. We are poor people out here, and we worked, and we struggled, and you're even taking the food off our tables. Somebody please do something, because we need health care. We need health care. There's no, there's no reason. He don't have to worry about waking up and going to the doctor about a... I'm coughing today. I don't know how to feel. I don't know what it is. They find out it's pneumonia. He don't have to worry about that. His checkbook is so big, he can go write a check for $66,000, $75,000 and say, you know, uh, I can pay it out. I take it out of my pocket. I could never. I'm afraid. Right now, I'm afraid that when when I die, if if I had a keloid on on the back of my neck, that it might have been cancerous. But they took it out and they asked me, why didn't you come in here sooner? Why didn't you come in here? It stayed on my neck three years. My doctor, Dr. Studemeyer, told me, get to the doctor. Go to the specialist. Have that checked out. That's that's the love that the doctors show you. You know, once you develop that relationship with a good doctor, that's affordable health care, that's a free, you know, I don't have to leave these bills on my kids. My kids don't have to struggle. I don't want that in life for them. And I just wanted everybody to know that we've got to speak up. We got to speak up. Don't be scared. Speak up and say what you feel. Healthcare, we need you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're fortunate today, and I would like to introduce Miss Ann Hagen.
uh, who is the CEO for Park Duval Community Health Center. So, so glad to have you here today. Uh, I'm blessed to be here today because this is so important. And Bill and Emily and you all have done a wonderful job in getting people come out to talk about this issue because um, the Affordable Care Act saved people's lives. Just like Mr. Crawford, just like many of our other patients, um, patients who we had to struggle every single day, we could give them primary care, and if they came in without insurance, we saw them regardless of their ability to pay, but if they need to see a specialist, we had to beg, borrow, cry, and pray to try to get them in to get someone to take care of them. If they needed to have surgery and they didn't have the insurance, we had to beg and borrow, and sure, there is some monies at the hospitals to cover indigent care, but it's not enough. And so for years and years and years, our patients were not able to get the care that they deserve in a country that is as wealthy as this. Everyone deserves to have quality health care when it's accessible, affordable, and when they need it, not when we can get it for them after we talked to 20 people and made phone calls for months. Sometimes people died because we couldn't get them the care they needed soon enough. That should not have to happen in our country. I'm not going to talk long. I'm going to have a real quick, real quick story. It's a personal story. Um, my daughter aged off my insurance, and she had epilepsy, and she did not have insurance, and she... You know, of course, because of seizures, it was hard to hold a job, hard to drive. Um, she was able to get Medicaid through the Affordable Care Act. She didn't have any kids, but she's low-income female. So the first thing they did was put her in the hospital for a week at L's Epilepsy Center to diagnose and to find out exactly what kind of epilepsy she had. And they gave her options for treatment, neurosurgery, or they would try to medicate her more appropriately. She chose not to have the neurosurgery, but she is medicated appropriately now. She has a job she loves. She's able to, job, to drive. She's able to have a fulfilled life because the Affordable Care Act allowed her to get insurance. It's not just people who have, are low income. I'm not, but my daughter is. And each of us has someone that we know or in our families who is going to be affected by this if it changes, if it's repealed, if the benefits are lost. So please continue to fight to make sure that everyone in America has the quality health care they need. And on March 1st, we will be having a single-payer health care meeting at Park Duval Community Health Center. So please come out if you want to know more about single-payer as well. But thank you so much for doing this. I think uh, we're all getting cold here. We've got one more that I know, one more uh, speaker, and is there anyone else? Teresa Richardson. Uh, so come on, sure. Teresa. Thank you. Hello, I'm Teresa, and I'm a homeless outreach worker, and I'm angry. I'm angry that the federal government can spend billions of dollars on bombs, warplanes, and troops stationed in over 100 countries around the world but it can't provide health care for its citizens. Canada provides health care for its citizens. So does England. In fact, 59 countries, both rich and poor, around the world provide universal health care coverage for their citizens. Why don't we have that? Not that great, is it? No, a government. What do they have that we don't have? They have a government that cares about their citizens' well-being and citizens' 
who care about each other. I'm sure you've all seen the Black Lives Matter movement on the news and the internet. I support them 100%. But I also believe that all lives matter. Not just the wealthy or those who are fortunate enough to have health insurance through their job. Yeah, Obamacare does not provide universal free health care to all. It falls way short of that. It requires people who cannot afford to pay for health care to pay for it anyway and then get some reimbursement at tax time. But still, it's a small step in the right direction. Without it, millions of men and women and children would not get the life-saving procedures or medication they need. We should not be fighting to just preserve it, but to expand it and pay for the health care cost of everyone. Those who want to take away what little health care we have are saying to the world that poor lives do not matter. Our government is here to serve the needs of all its citizens, especially those most vulnerable. I say that all lives matter, and if you agree with me, take a stand. Every person here today could lose their job due to layoffs, medical emergencies, or unforeseen accidents. Your financial and health care situation could change overnight. By supporting the Affordable Health Care Act, it just might be your own or your family's lives you're saving. Get angry with me and call and write your congressman. Write your ill-informed president. Stand up for those less fortunate because every life matters. Okay, thank you very much. All right, we've got one more person who wants to speak, um, but I just want it before people leave, don't walk away without one of these postcards and without some of the talking points that we have for you. They're over at the table, and I know some people have been passing things out too, but definitely um, take something away with you and share it with uh, your friends and family. Thank you all for being here. We're going to have one more speaker. Zach Seeger from U University of Louisville is here to share. Um, yep. Hi. I'm a, uh, I'm a fourth-year resident in psychiatry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Zach Sager. I'm a fourth-year resident in psychiatry at the University of Louisville and just wanted to share uh, a little bit of just how important the ACA, while not perfect, has helped our patients, especially in mental health care. Uh, working, we have a dedicated psychiatric emergency room at UofL, and prior to the passage of the ACA, we would see people come in time again, time and again, with emergent psychiatric emergencies, they weren't able to get care, they were depressed, and it would take a suicide attempt for them to be able to get access to care. Uh, that still happens, but what we see now is people are able to get appointments at uh, Centerstone or Seven Counties or private therapists or in our clinic, and so we've seen an incredible shift of patients who are able to get access to mental health care into substance use treatment much earlier, uh, whereas opposed people would come in, you know, after an overdose or after a psychiatric emergency, and it's just been amazing to see the benefit that the ACA has has helped. And I hope that uh, you know that we're able to to continue to see improvements. Thank you.
Thank you, um, thank you uh, so much. Let's give a big round of applause and an appreciation to all the speakers today, and uh, especially to the staff and the bus driver from Save My Care uh, organization, our national partners that have put on this event. So let's uh, thank you. Lexington uh, Bill's a member of Kentuckians for single-payer health care and he gave us his permission to use that song a few years back uh, just a reminder that the views and opinions expressed here on single-payer radio are those of the speakers and not the station if you'd like to learn more about becoming a member of Kentuckians for single-payer health care you can contact our chairperson, Kay Tello, directly. Kay's email address is nursenpo at aol.com. Nursenpo at aol.com. You can request to get on our mailing list. 
Case sends out uh, two newsletters a month to keep you updated on uh, the activities of the group. We also meet twice monthly uh, with a Zoom virtual meeting, and Kay can send you an invite to that if you'd like. Um, Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare is uh, not meeting in person at this time, obviously, during the, uh, the virus period. But um, uh, we continue to meet and organize, and next week we or the next couple weeks we'll have doctors eugene shively and mike flynn back in the studio uh, we're again um, we're very uh, proud to be a community partner here with forward radio if you like what you hear on forward radio please go to forwardradio.org you can listen to single-payer radio on Mondays at 2 o'clock, Tuesdays at 7 a.m., and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. For single-payer radio, I'm Mark McKinley. Thank you.